Join Global Genes and the Orphan Disease Center at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine for the annual Rare Drug Development Symposium, June 6th and 7th in Philadelphia. The symposium will focus on the drug development process and is designed to connect, educate, and inspire rare disease advocates. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org forward slash RDDS. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Early diagnosis and intervention can improve outcomes for children with autism spectrum disorder, but arriving at a diagnosis can be difficult at an early age. To diagnose the condition, doctors have relied on behavioral tests, and the average age of diagnosis in the United States is more than four years. NeuroPoint DX has developed a diagnostic test that looks at metabolic imbalances in the blood and can diagnose a child with a condition as young as 18 months. We spoke to Elizabeth Donnelly, CEO of Stemina Biomarker Discovery and NeuroPoint DX, about the condition, how the company's test works, and what it might suggest about the biology of the condition. Beth, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about autism spectrum disorder, NeuroPoint DX, and its test to diagnose children with the condition. Let's start with autism spectrum disorder, though. What is it? How common is it? And how does it manifest itself? Uh, great question. So, 159 children in the United States are now diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. And it's actually up from 1 in 68. Uh, the Centers for Disease Control changed that in 2018. Um, and autism is basically a behavioral disorder um, that is characterized by repetitive behaviors, difficulty with uh, social relationships, and sometimes with cognitive impairment. And how well understood is the biology of the condition? Um, not very well understood at all. Uh, it has always been thought of as a behavioral disorder, but it is very clearly a spectrum disorder from both a behavioral and a biological perspective. Um, there is quite a bit of work that has been done in looking for genetic causes of autism, um, and there has been some success in this regard. But because there are a lot of combinations of genetic uh, predisposition and environmental impacts that may result in autism, it's much harder to study uh, the genetics of autism than it is to study the downstream metabolism of autism as we're doing. And how is the condition treated today? Uh, today it's treated mostly with behavioral therapy, um, and every child should get ABA therapy, which is sort of the standard of care for autism. There's really good evidence in the scientific literature that kids do well and do better um, if they get early intervention um, with ABA therapy. And so the goal, first and foremost, of our test uh, was to try to identify kids earlier. So uh, right now, kids can be accurately diagnosed at about 24 months through behaviors. Um, our study uh, through the Children's Autism Metabolome Project, or CAMP, that was our 1,100 patient clinical study, 
um, had children as young as 18 months. So we can actually diagnose as young as 18 months and hopefully get the kids referred on for behavioral therapy. And why does early diagnosis matter in this condition? Well, early diagnosis matters because neurodevelopment is um, going at a very rapid clip, um, particularly before age four, and then again at age 11, there's a sort of slowdown. Um, and so if we can get to kids earlier um, and intervene um, with behavioral therapy or other interventions, we have the opportunity to impact them while neurodevelopment is really um, clipping along and get a better outcome. In the rare disease world, there are many conditions where autism spectrum disorder is part of the manifestation of a given condition. How is autism spectrum disorders understood in those cases? Is it the same as other autism spectrum disorders? Is it a unique flavor? How do, you, how do doctors approach those different conditions where autism is part of the, the manifestation of the disease? Yeah, so for example, Fragile X is a genetic um, condition that has a high incidence of autism, um, and those children tend to have much uh, more significant impairment. Um, they get approached with behavioral therapy as well, um, and of course a number of pharmaceutical companies have been working toward a uh, drug that would be particularly targeted to Fragile X um, and the symptoms that they exhibit. So far, there have been a lot of failures of these drugs, um, Novartis, Roche, uh, Seaside Therapeutics, Forest Labs, which is now part of Allergan, all had failed clinical studies um, for drugs that were meant to address the condition. And part of the reason is that um, both autism and Fragile X, even though it comes from a, a specific genetic mutation, um, have a very heterogeneous um, biology. And so in the case of some of these trials, there were some extraordinary responders um, whose parents are still lamenting on the Fragile X Foundation's website the fact that they can no longer get the drugs that they were uh, part of the clinical trial for because the experience was such a great improvement for their kids. But unfortunately, lots and lots of children were non-responders, and so it did not hit the efficacy numbers that are necessary to pass FDA approval. And so part of what we're actually trying to do at NeuroPoint is break down that biology um, and try to understand that even within a specific genetic um, disease that has a high incidence of autism, there may be um, subtypes within that spectrum of patients. So we're working with companies, for example, like Ovid Therapeutics, which is Jeremy Levin's new company in New York City, um, helping them look at their clinical trial, um, in this case for Angelman syndrome, to try to understand who is a responder and uh, what are the biomarkers of response uh, with the hope that when they get to the efficacy phase of their study, they'll have good data about the kinds of patients who are likely to respond and they can design their clinical study to fit that need. Let's talk about NeuroPoint DX. What, what is it? So NeuroPoint DX is a, a business unit of Stamina Biomarker Discovery, which is the corporate entity. We rebranded the Neurological Disorders Division um, in 2015 um, because it was pretty clear that the business of this unit would be very different than the core business of Stemina. Uh, Stemina is engaged in metabolomic analysis, as NeuroPoint is, but they're focused mostly on um, compound safety screening uh, for drug and pharmaceutical and agrochemical companies um, to screen drugs and chemicals for their potential to cause birth defects if a woman's exposed during pregnancy. Using that same metabolomic platform, 
NeuroPoint has developed the diagnostic test and validated it in the largest clinical study of children with autism and their metabolism ever conducted. So the Children's Autism Metabolome Project, or CAMP, was an 1,100-patient study, um, bigger than any other metabolomic-focused uh, autism study by five or 600 patients. Um, and what's important about this study is that it um, collected first-of-the-morning blood from the children so that we could analyze their innate metabolism using our metabolomics platform to understand what's different about their biology. Um, sort of like when you get your glucose or cholesterol tested, you don't have a sweet roll before you go to the doctor, uh, because we can me measure that too. So CAMP affords us an opportunity for the first time to look at a large number of patients and understand the innate metabolism of autism spectrum disorders. And not surprisingly, what we learned was that autism is a spectrum disorder, not just from a cognitive, behavioral, and social uh, perspective, but also from a metabolism perspective. So with that work, um, we are continuing to um, subtype the children based on their biology and then to pair therapies that can intervene based on the differences in their metabolism versus typically developing children and even other children on the spectrum. How did the company come to look at autism spectrum disorder? What, what was seen as the opportunity? It's a good question. It actually did start with the cellular biology I talked about with a birth defect screen. Um, at the time that Dr. Gabriela Cesar, who was my scientific co-founder um, at Stemina, was doing work at the University of Wisconsin, which is the home of human embryonic stem cells. Um, Dr. Jamie Thompson derived those in 1998 at the university. She built a model for disruption in human development, specifically neurodevelopment, um, using human embryonic stem cells and neural cells that she made from those, dosed with valproic acid. And valproic acid is a anti-epileptic drug that has about a tenfold increase in the incidence of autism in children who are exposed during gestation. Um, so the hypothesis was by um, exposing these neurons as they differentiate into specific neuronal lineages to valproic acid, she was creating a model of autism in the dish. And so subsequent to that, we actually um, began work on bank blood samples um, from the MIND Institute at UC Davis with our uh, collaborator, Dr. David Amaral, to show that we could see differences in metabolism in the, the blood of children uh, that were akin to the changes that she'd seen in the neural cells at the University of Wisconsin. So the bridge is not obvious to the average user, but it actually came from the original uh, neurodevelopmental disruptor that she used in her early work at the University of Wisconsin. There's a, a growing number of genes that have been implicated in autism. What's the benefit of using metabolites rather than genes? A great question. So genetics are important, and they help us understand the, you know, what may be going wrong in the biology of the child. Um, but they only describe about 5 to 10% of the reasons children have autism if you take out big um, known genetic variants like Fragile X, which really are a separate disorder with a high incidence of autism. Um, and they're very good at um, helping us think about reproductive planning, for example. If you have a child with autism and you're thinking about having another child, you may want to get tested to see whether or not the child or your, someone in your family has a genetic mutation that has a high incidence of autism. But what we like about looking at metabolism or metabolomics is that it's closest to the person you are as you stand. So if you think about the, the process of genetics, um, first we have transcription, translation, and protein synthesis, and finally we arrive at the person that we are in the innate metabolism that we have. 
And you can have genes, for example, uh, block a gene and never develop uh, breast cancer. You have a higher potential um, for developing the disease, but it may not be triggered. And so when we study the innate metabolism of uh, individuals, we can look to see what's different about them and then peer therapies to the specific differences that are sort of the downstream aspects of all those processes I mentioned from genetics all the way to the person uh, that we are as we stand. And since we're talking about a, a spectrum disorder, does the test say anything about where someone may sit on the spectrum, how intense a condition they may have? You know, we have not seen a correlation yet with any of the metadata, and that's an important point. We have a extensive over 700 fields of metadata on, on these children, their gestational history and delivery, their parents' um, health, the severity of their disorder, whether they were late walkers, late talkers, difficulty um, with feeding, swallowing, late on milestones, um, repetitive behaviors, uh, a variety of other things. And so far, we don't see a correlation between the biology and the outcome in terms of how severe the disorder is. Um, our first paper was published in Biological Psychiatry in September, and it's on a branch chain amino acid dysregulation. One thing we did note in the metadata in that paper is that girls are twice as likely as would have been expected by chance to have that particular subtype of metabolism, um, putting them on the autism spectrum. So that's an interesting observation, uh, particularly because girls are notoriously harder to diagnose than, uh, than boys are. Um, but what's really interesting about that particular paper and the subtype we identified is it lends itself to a potential intervention with a branch-chain-supplemented, high-protein diet. Um, and there's evidence to support this, which is also cited in our paper, um, in a family in the Mediterranean which has a complete loss of function in this particular metabolism and have very, very low um, branch-chain amino acid levels along with higher levels of other amino acids that share a common transport and enzymatic biology. And they've shown in these children that with um, significant intervention, 24-7 NG tube feeding of the kind of supplement I'm talking about, they can ameliorate the symptoms of autism and epilepsy, what these children also um, seem to exhibit. And similarly cited in our paper, there's a rodent um, model that was created to mimic this particular genetic defect in this family. And here also the uh, rodents exhibit um, the symptoms of autism, and when fed a high-protein branch-chain supplemented diet, they improve. And so there's good reason to believe that um, pairing a supplement that is designed to address the specific imbalance will improve the outcome for these children, particularly if we can get to them early while neurodevelopment is very active. We actually have a formulation designed with a pediatric nutritional specialist from the University of Wisconsin, Dr. Denise Ney, who has specialized in amino acid metabolism and neurological or neurodevelopmental disorders um, her whole career, um, and have a study design and 92 children in camp that we could call back and offer the opportunity to try this intervention to see if it improves outcome. So we're just working on raising some funding to do that. Um, it's important because we know that some children respond very well to supplements and modified diet, and other children do not respond at all. Um, and currently, um, 
you know, parents and physicians go to the Internet, they read about these things, and they uh, essentially do a lot of this testing and trial and error without any data about what might be the actual imbalance in these children's metabolism. So that's where NeuroPoint really can, I think, start to begin to chip away at our understanding of autism, its biology, and how we might more successfully pair the right therapy for the right kind of subtype of metabolism. It's interesting you say that because it does suggest to me if you have a metabolic test that there's a metabolic problem here. And people, I think, traditionally have approached this as a behavioral disorder or neurological problem. But does it suggest that at heart there's a, a metabolic issue that should be addressed? Yes, I mean, I think that that is a likely culprit for um, a number of children on the spectrum. We know that inborn errors of metabolism cause disruptions in neurodevelopment. For example, PKU um, is a you know well-known syndrome that all of our children are now tested for. Um, two generations ago, when children were not tested and they ate phenylalanine, they became profoundly cognitively impaired. And today, it's part of the newborn screen that every child in our country gets. And by changing diet, these children develop perfectly, typically. Um, and that is um, really what we think we see, particularly in this um, branch chain uh, dysregulation that we describe in our paper, is like an inborn error of metabolism without a complete loss of function as the children that have the genetic defect in the Mediterranean exhibit. So it is really, um, when we think about it, in, in, intuitively it's kind of one of those aha moments. Of course, this makes sense. But it takes a large data set, um, a large sample set, and a highly, you know, well-curated study to be able to see things that occur, you know, at a rate of 5 or 6 or 7% in the population of people with autism. At this point, is there anything you need to do to further validate the test? Do you have to go through any kind of CLIA or FDA approval process? Uh, great question. So we actually do have our CLIA uh, approval for the test in all states except New York. New York has a little different process than the other 49. Um, and so we do have our lab set up here, and we are offering it in a limited access program, um, primarily through the sites that were part of the, the um, camp study. Um, and so we, we actually at this point are raising money to try to um, bring more physician and clinician education uh, put together a commercialization team, um, run the branch chain supplement study to show that we can change outcome with the first period therapy. And so all of that is underway. Um, we did validate this in the 1,100 patient study, so um, that was the goal of, of CAMP. Some of these subtypes were seen in our three previous bank blood studies with the Mind Institute at UC Davis and uh, in Jill James's lab at Arkansas Children's Hospital down in uh, Little Rock. So CAMP was our validation study and continues to be, um, and we are continuing to validate additional subtypes um, in CAMP. Um, we just presented some data uh, last week at the International Autism Meeting in Montreal um, on two new panels um, beyond the amine-containing panels that we had already published on. Um, these focus on um, neurotransmitters and neuroinhibitors, um, purine metabolism, and then uh, energy homeostasis or mitochondrial function, so kind of the energy system of the body. And with the um, three panels together, we can actually identify 41% of the children in the CAMP study um, as being on the autism spectrum, um, and then uh, hopefully pair therapies that will help to address the differences in their metabolism. 
is there any reimbursement available for the test yet, or are there conversations ongoing with with payers? Um, yes. So right now it is available just as a self-pay uh, test, and you can use your Section 125 or Flex Spending uh, Medical Savings account to do that. Um, we have applied for and received approval of our code um, through the PLA system, which is specifically designed for high-complexity tests often delivered through a CLIA lab. Um, on June 24th, CMS will meet to put a price on the approved code, and we'll be able to begin using that code um, in October of 2019. So it's coming, um, but the process is um, not a perfect one in our country. So while we have an approved code, um, many insurers will accept that, but many insurers will first reject it, and we'll have to fight with them about getting reimbursement. It's really a flaw in our system that we don't have a centralized way that once things are approved, the insurance companies are required to reimburse. Um, but that's not the way things work, so we'll have to keep chipping away at it. But it has been something we've been working on for quite a few years, both through applying through the um, PLA system for our own code, surveying payers about you know what would be the health economic benefit to them for approving payment on the test, and primarily it is to shorten the diagnostic odyssey that these kids go through. They often have other um, comorbid conditions, so they have GI issues, they often have epilepsy, um, they have sleep issues. There are lots of things that these kids end up getting tested for, and if we could um, screen them earlier and get them into behavioral therapy and understand who they are from a metabolism perspective and try to choose the most logical intervention, uh, it will bring down the overall cost for, for, you know, caring for these children from a, you know, health economic perspective. At this point, if a parent or physician is interested in, in having a child tested, what do they need to do? Um, they can contact us at NeuroPointDX, um, and if they visit our website, there's a process there, both a telephone number and a email. All the information is available for um, how the sample needs to be drawn and shipped. Um, but we encourage people to uh, contact us directly because we want to make sure that the lab that draws the sample has the capability to ship the sample on dry ice. It has to um, be frozen. And um, so we have just very specific labs that we will try to connect the, the patient or physician up with so that the sample is sent in the proper way and isn't wasted. Elizabeth Donnelly, CEO of Stemina Biomarker Discovery and NeuroPoint DX. Elizabeth, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.